Hello everyone and welcome to the SBK betting podcast. We are 9th of March and yes, we are heading towards the Cheltenham Festival, but this is not a Cheltenham Festival podcast, which is probably a bit of a relief for some as we are getting saturated from left, right and centre by Cheltenham previews and you should not miss our Cheltenham preview podcast special that is on youtube it's on spotify it's everywhere for you to need but if you're looking for this weekend's racing action in particular that is what we're giving you so committed to the cause we are back to give you uh, some insight for the weekend before the cheltenham festival which is of course the imperial cup weekend at sandown and we're rolling in from a weekend of successes last weekend pats on the back to all of us the triple nap landed. Uh, Sal Salito, the shortest price of all from me, but that was still a winner to win. Um, but Calico, 11 to 4 for Ross, an iconic moment, 11 to 8 for TC. And TC also had the winner of the Mont Battle hurdle in the shape of Benson. So a fine run of form. You must be thrilled with that. Yeah, it was a brilliant last Saturday, wasn't it? I remember uh, just looking into the WhatsApp every hour and we were congratulating each other. It's rare that we get three out of three on the naps, I have to say. We've had plenty of weeks where it's been two out of three and the other ones run very well, or we've had maybe one winning nap and two winning next best, but three out of three naps and a big prize winner of the feature race. Can't fault it. Yeah, and I think maybe we might have even had the one too. It was Colonel Mustard, wasn't it? It was second, who I think I put up. I might, I might be wrong. But um, that, that means that we arrive in good form, which helps for the Cheltenham Festival listeners for that other podcast. But as I said, this is dedicated to the Imperial Cup weekend and the racing that happens on Saturday. So that will be our feature, that race that we're going to look at. We've got um, 18 runners lining up. And I must say, before we even begin discussing the runners, the rain that we are experiencing this week is going to have a really big impact on Sandown. We know how testing that track gets. They had their um, mid-week mid feast of the Grand Military Gold Cup on Wednesday, and it looked pretty testing, to say the least. Then it's been hammering down. I'm not too far away. It will be the case of who will be able to plough through the mud by Saturday and that will probably come in and I'm sure has come into Ross and TC's reckoning when they think about this race. TC, you're the man on form. You got the selection for our big race uh, preview last week and this race is headed by Playful Saint. Ticks all the boxes, doesn't he? Got all the solid form and the ground must be a tick as well. Is the price around six to one putting you off? Do you think that's a reasonable enough price for a horse of this nature? No, I think it's a very fair price. Now, it's worth mentioning, as you've already said, we're filming this on Thursday. And right now, there is a big discrepancy between the best price available, which is SBK right now at six to one, and the worst price at four to one. Now, I wouldn't be rushing in to back him at four to one, given the competitive nature of this race. Obviously, it's going to be competitive. There's a massive uh, prize fund up for grabs here in this race before Cheltenham Festival. So you're going to have lots of runners. So I wouldn't be taking the fours. But if you can get on the six to one by the time you're uh, watching this podcast or listening, then I'd say that's a good value bet. Um, before I go into my reasoning behind backing Playful Saint in the Imperial Cup, a couple of horses that were on my shortlist I just want to give a quick mention to. Um, Jello, I think, is much better than last time out. We'll relish the better conditions. Monviel and Hardy de Soy, who I'm pretty sure each of you are going to uh, give a, a good case for. And Soaring Glory, they were the last four off of my shortlist. But I ended up coming down on Playful Saint, the favourite in the race. He's only had four starts for Dan Skelton. First time up, he won, but he clearly wasn't 100% fit, and he basically scraped home that day. He fell in. One more stride, and he'd have lost. Then he had a long break again, came back this season. First time up, travelled like an absolute dream, 
blew out again in the closing stages. Didn't win this time, uh, but it was a run full of promise and he clearly needed it. Then he ran at Sandown on testing ground and only got beat by a horse called Love Envoy, who's eight from nine in her career, a star grade one mare. And actually her only defeat came in a grade one over in Ireland where she finished second to Brandy Love. She's eight from nine, as I've touched on. This this mare is top quality. And although she was giving a stone to Playful Saint, I thought he still ran exceptionally well to finish second. Now that form was boosted by the third, fifth and sixth, all winning since. It gave it a nice strong look. Playful Saint then came out in a, a real Nice race, a good bit of placing from Dan Skelton at Leicester, uh, where he just bolted up by 12 lengths. Always on the front end, just kept galloping, galloping. Long home straight at Leicester, heavy ground. And you're going to get very much the same on Saturday. Long home straight at Sandown, heavy ground again, I imagine. And that should be right up Playful Saints uh, Street. He's running off a protected mark of 135. I say protected because Dan Skelton's clearly plotted him at this race. Didn't want to uh, put him up another seven pounds for winning a race in the interim. I think he's uh, got lots lots going for him. Playful Saint, six to one, I think it's a fair price. Yeah, no, he hasn't been seen since the 28th of December, as you say. I was surprised he only went up three pounds for coming second to Love Envoy. I thought they, they probably were licking their lips when they saw that because, as you say like true grade one form um but they really got the the kind of the battering that the handicapper probably should have given them um after that so it's just a case of whether he can defy a, a nice seven pound rise but that 11 stone six six it's not too bad for a race of this nature no, it certainly wouldn't put me off. And I, I like that Dan Skelton always seems to aim his horses, especially novices and you know young hurdlers uh, at big prizes. And it just feels like Playful Saint is another one of those that is going to have success on a big Saturday. Yeah, of course, they're responsible for Langer Dan, who won this race a couple of years ago. Um, and they've just been the, the kings of the handicaps, haven't they, on Saturdays for the course of this season. So um, let's see if Playful Saint can land the odds for TC and, and what probably likely to be favourite backers. But as TC's quite rightly said, six to one with SBK as it stands offers better value than some of our market rivals. OK, Ross. This uh, this year, you know, we, it's always interesting to have a look at the Irish runners. Last year, it was Peter Farhi who won this with the extraordinarily well-handicapped surprise package who went on to run really well in the county hurdle. He's represented by Zoffany Bay, but I think it'd be crucial to point out that he doesn't actually represent any Irish form, does he? The only run he's had for the trainer was, was at Ascot. So there's no classic Irish form there. Manorwork fell last time. He's another Irish runner. So we don't really know the quality of, of him. So potentially we don't need to fear the Irish that much. Or what, what do you make of their cases before I get to your selection? Uh, yeah, I, I had Zoffany be on, on a short, I mean, I had a much longer shortlist than TC by the sound thing. I thought this was fiercely difficult. Um, Zoffany Bay, I think you've, you've got to have him on the shortlist. It was a massive run last time after 700 days off, moved from David Cotan to, to Peter Farhi at Ascot, over two mile three, got outpaced and then stayed on. Um, you, you would initially think dropping back to two miles wouldn't suit, but this is going to be a race run at a very different tempo. They went pretty quick round Ascot and quickened up turning in. You just got a bit flat-footed. You have to fear the bounce factor after a big run like that after 700 days off and he's traveling from Ireland over the sea. There's just enough little things there that, that can put me off. Um, but if he won, you certainly wouldn't be surprised. And Peter Farhi, if we talk about Dan Scouten being king of the handicaps, Peter Farhi certainly knows how to line one up and, and hit the target. Um, so I just run you through my shortlist. I mean, Playful Saint was was on the shortlist for certain, for everything Tom said. He's just got untapped potential. I think Gavega, you have to 
give a, a nod to. Got good course form. Uh, I think the horse that he beat Nicky Henson's last time, Immortal, is a, is a really nice horse. And I think probably not enough credit was given to Gavega for the way he went through that race and, and won fairly impressively, giving away weight. Um, then you've got form lines between Isio, Hardy DeSoy and, and J-Lo um, from Sandown last time. <sighs> I mean, Isio is is weighted to to, to get much closer to Hardy Soy and went a, a fairly wide, unusual route, should we say, last time. But the more I looked at it, the more I just thought there was only one horse galloping through the line on that occasion, and that was the winner, Hardy Soy. Fairly big hike in the weights, just is enough to put me off in what I think is going to be a competitive handicap. Then you come to Nick a block of glory. I mean, he's won a chase off 129, was a good second last month, 133 to a course specialist at Weatherby. Um, and has got a five-pound claim coming off, and there's no evidence that he'd hit his ceiling over hurdles. Um, so I think you could make a case for him. But the, the two I've come down on, and it won't be a race I play big, and I keep my war chest dry for Cheltenham, thank you very much, but I like the Philip Hobbs train Monvial. Um, I thought in the Betfair hurdle last time, the winner made all. Um, Filey Bay the second was, was ridden fairly prominently and, and certainly made a forward move early enough. Coming off the pace was exceptionally difficult to do. Monvial was last turning in and going nowhere. Um, and actually, it's quite hard to watch because the front two are so far key. You have to really crane your eyes around the corner of your, your screen to see him coming. But he makes rapid progress up the straight under far from forceful riding. I mean, I think they knew the, the game was gone. They didn't knock him around. He missed the second last hurdle, flew home into fifth. Um He's got winning form on soft and heavy ground. He won on heavy ground at, at Foss last. He's won on soft ground. Um, I still think he's on a nice mark. It might be that he wants further in time, but if he doesn't get outpaced in the middle part of the race, I think he's interesting to come home up the hill on on soft ground under Ben Jones, who who by his nature is perhaps a slightly more forceful rider than Tom O'Brien. So it might be that he gets a slightly more aggressive ride in the mid part of the race um and then the other one that i think is just worth mentioning at a, at a big price is fine casting for ben paulin um I, I think he's um got to show that he's got the pace for this um he's been winning over two mile three but he's got form over two mile on heavy ground himself um i thought his run at haydock was really impressive his run last time at utoxter just wasn't him um I, i'm convinced of that he's better than that um He'll go on the ground and he will stay. Now, if this turns into a real stamina sapping uh, race, which it could well do, um, he might just have enough gears to, to get close enough in the early mm -hmm. stages and he'll be staying mm -hmm. on very powerfully up the hill. Okay, Ben Pauling, who's got one of the best he's ever trained running next week at, at Cheltenham, right? So he's hoping he's going to have quite a good weekend. And he's got a lot of money coming for his horse Bad as well and the Boodles. There's plenty coming out of the Ben Pauling yard um, at the moment. So, yeah, fine casting. Let's see if he can um, he can keep that uh, that yard in good form ahead of the Cheltenham Festival. My quick question on Monvial, because I must say, I'm like you, Monvial was... Uh, definitely on on top like part of my list um one of the last off knickerbocker glory thought really interesting back to, over the hurdles monvial obviously ran in this race this time last year off a mark of one two one do you think he's a a much better horse you know eight pounds higher than he was this time last year with only two runs under his belt since yeah i i i just thought he looked quite weak and he and when he won at sandown last year uh beating a horse or might mean beginning this year beating a horse of tom lacy's I thought he finished quite weakly, and I there took a lot of heart from the fact that he finished very powerfully at, at Newbury 
Um, it could just be that he's he's strengthening up and coming along with his with his races as opposed to some going the other way. Yeah, he's um he's well bred actually. He's got Apple's Jade in the family. Just having a look quickly there now. Um, he obviously got better and better as she got older. So only a six year old Montbial. Yeah, it's um he's tempting, isn't he? He's eight to one. Obviously, also the bet for hurdle form. Teddy Blue did he do enough to frank it? He did go favourite in the end in the more battle. Ran okay without being anything to really frank the form. Yeah, I mean, I just I just didn't see that test suiting Teddy Blue to be honest. I. I just didn't have him on my radar for the more battle. So it's difficult when you don't fancy a horse for, for a race, you, you really shouldn't then use that as a, as a form line because you're either going to be, you know, you could be wrong twice uh, if that makes, makes sense. So I, I just looked at the, the Betfair in isolation. Um, I think the runner up is a good horse. The winner got a brilliant ride. Nothing came from off the pace bar this one and another horse of Gary Moore's that is firmly in my tracker. Yeah. Okay, right. Good case, I think, for Monbiel, um, as the same for Playful Saint for, for TC. Um, TC had Hardy de Sawyer on his shortlist. That's my selection. He's 12 to 1. This horse for Jamie Snowden and Gavin Sheehan, um, a jockey I highly rate. I just think he, he gets tactics right. He's very good in handicaps like this. This horse was back to his best on this on soft ground over course and distance last time, beating Ikkyo as as uh, Ross mentioned, who, yes, did go very wide and travelled really nicely into it. But I don't think he stayed, as Ross has said, hit the line as hard as Hardy DeSoy. Yes, he's gone up four pounds in the in the handicap, but I think he could be worth a little bit more than that, um, especially on, on this ground. Um, he's got a lovely racing race of 10.13. Ikea went up one pound. So there's probably more in Ikeo's favour at the weights, but Heidi Desoy is a bigger price at 12 to 1 and comes here off a back of of a really, really um, impressive, solid run on his favoured ground. So I'm happy to go with him. Um, it, it's For me, it's going to be a case of of getting that ground um, and, and really appreciating it. So Heidi Desoy at 12 to 1 for me. And uh, yeah, wide open Imperial Cup. I'm looking forward to it. Get some juices flowing. And we'll see if any can back it up. Plenty of them, I think, TC, have got multiple entries. County Hurdle will normally be the one for next week. Yeah, Playful Saint, I know, has definitely got a County Hurdle entry at this stage. Uh, but yeah, as you touched on, there are plenty. I generally don't like the angle of Imperial Cup straight to Cheltenham and then backing them at Cheltenham, even if they win the Imperial Cup very well. But it's definitely doable. So we'll see what happens. Okay, right. Well, thank you for that. And uh, let's go on to our naps because these worked out all right last week. Um, so I will start with Ross first. So the nap is in the 115 at um, Sandown. Normally a division I, I steer clear of, but I was quite impressed with Penna Rossa when he won at this track uh, quite early on in the season. And he handled the, the, the soft ground really well, was completely unconsidered in the market, did it well from the front looked like they were coming to challenge and he found loads in first time cheek pieces up the sand down hill and, and, and was really gutsy and impressed me enormously. I think they've just waited with this horse for, for the ground. You know, you would have expected him to have been busy through the middle part of the winter, but as we know, we've had a fairly dry, dry winter and now the rain is coming just in time for the Cheltenham Festival. Um, he's got the beating of non-stop and Havelia who were reopposed here. Um, unlike them, he also arrives here fresh, which I think is a nice angle, particularly with with juveniles, um, I'd be surprised if he's favourite because I think it's a small yard and he'll get overlooked by 
bigger yards, but I think he'll take all the beating in the 115. And then the next best comes in uh, Hereford 340, two mile five chase, and it's Venetia Williams trained Lagonda. Now, Venetia's not in great form, but they've been running all right. Um, I really like this horse. I've followed it for a while. It's a point to point horse that I know um, goes well for Shane Quinlan. Was third in a really decent novice hurdle at Warwick um, before finishing second first time over fences last time at Exeter. The winner of that Lazy Sunday has gone on to win twice more. It's now £12 higher. The third placed Eros, who is a, a horse that never wins but runs well. Um, he's been second at Warwick since. Uh, I think this is a nice opportunity up a little bit in trip, a local track for Venetia. So that's Lagonda in the 340. Okay, thank you for that. Um, obviously, Venetia loves it when it rains as well, so that will help. She's got some interesting runners at Sandown too. So, um, Ross is Napa next best there. And TC, what are yours? Yeah, I found it tough again this week. I didn't even love anything on the all-weather, although my next best is on the all-weather. Saying that, I said that last week and we went two for three. Um, so we'll see what happens this time around. My actual nap is in the US, by the way. So if you want to know that, check out betting.getsbk.com on Friday night because he this horse cannot get beat. But anyway, back to the UK action. Uh, my nap in the UK is going to be Ginger Mail in the 320 at air. This two-mile handicap hurdle features a couple of informed horses, Traprain Law for Lucinda Russell, and Mamie's Magic for Sean Crawford, both of whom will probably make the market. Um, and therefore, you should get a nice price on the selection. Ginger Mail's only, only run nine times, remains open to further improvement, which I like to have as an angle for all of my uh, selections, no matter if it's on the flat or over hurdles or over fences, uh, in fact. And he's performed to a rating in the low 120s three times in seven hurdle starts, yet he's only rated 115. So he's undoubtedly well-treated on his best performance. Last time out, he ran on good ground and it was a race that developed into a sprint and he's just not a sprinting type of hurdler. He actually ran really well to take second. He was probably uh, outperforming what he should have achieved in that race and he wasn't beaten too far by the favourite either. Prior to that, he, he ran twice over two and a half miles. Now this horse is an out and out two miler. He just didn't stay on either occasion. First time up this year, so he's only had four starts. I've covered three. First time up this year, he won over course and distance on good to soft ground and was really impressive. Now he finally gets his ideal conditions. So Ginger Mail in the 320 at air is the DAP. And then the next best is going to be in the 130 at Wolverhampton, and it's going to be a horse called Ingratore. Now, I loved the look of this race when I was looking prior to 48-hour decks, and it, I was going to tip either Venturous or Ingratore. Fortunately for me, uh, yeah. I didn't have to make the decision because Venturous has been taken out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I ended up being with Ingratore. He scrapes into the bottom of the handicap with just eight, eight stone, uh, nine pounds on his back. And he's been allocated an ideal draw in gate three. Gets Andrea Azzini as well, who's been riding really well over the last few weeks. Lots of positives there. He's an unexposed type against a group of largely exposed rivals, albeit most of his rivals do have the form and the ability to contest a race of this nature. Last year, he quickly developed into a leading uh, sprinter, a leading three-year-old sprinter. He beat a Clive Cox trainee called Harry Three at Newmarket. Now, that horse was running off a mark of 89 that day and is now rated 109. So the form looks good, but albeit you have to factor in that maybe he wasn't a 109 horse in that race specifically. He just progressed into that rating. However... After that performance from Ingratore, which was really impressive, he kind of found life a little bit tough during the summer. I think there are two reasons for that. Either, one, he came to hand very early, 
and was just over the edge slightly towards the midsummer. Uh, he was just seeing the best at the start of the season, which would lead to me believing he'll be good in this race on Saturday. And two, I don't think he really handled Newmarket's July course very well, and he ran there four times in succession to end his campaign. Back on the all-weather, where he's one from two, representing Jack Shannon, who's trying to make his mark in the, the training industry as a first-time out uh, trainer this year, and from a good draw, off a good mark, with a good jockey on board, Ingra Tour in the 130 at Wolverhampton. Okay, very comprehensive case there made for both of them. And yeah, Jack Shannon making a really good start to his career. And those colours of John and Julio's but very key to his training operation. I saw a good, nice horse of theirs called Woodstock win at Chelmsford um, a while ago, um, earlier this year, earlier this month. So yeah, um, following Jack Shannon and heading into this uh, turf season. I was surprised that you there were more from Wolverhampton that you were looking forward to. I thought it looked like a really good card always is the Lincoln trial but probably quite difficult to work out who's not really got to their ceiling yet and who they're trying to save for the big occasion so I wonder what you think of my selections um but I'm going to make a case for them anyway first um I'm going to start with the 150 at Sandown this is the um National Hunt Novices Handicap Purdle where Paul Nichols had a very well handicapped tools to win this last year and he's got some nice Nice selections in here. I really like the look of Hugo's new horse, but I sided against him with um, the Sam and Nigel Twiston Davis runner, Cuthbert Dibble. Um, I was there at Leicester when he absolutely bolted up. He was in a different parish than the others. Um, he jumped a lot, lot better than he had done when he was beaten at Leicester the time before. My ass, Nigel Twiston Davis, had they been schooling him? Had they been improving his jumping? He said, no, not at all. Um, he was very cagey, in fact, and I asked him about next targets, and he said, well, we're going to see what a handicapper does to him. And the handicapper has really made a mark on him. He's gone up £14 for that success, but he's still, I I think, relatively well treated for a race like this, where he is likely to um, really come into his own in a bigger field um, against some better opposition. He's nicely bred as well. And um, looking forward to seeing Cuthbert Dibble. I th I just got a feeling that they planned out this race a little bit, and that's why um, I was Tristan Davis was um, cagey. But yeah, he he normally is quite like that in an interview anyway. So I did my best. Um, so Cuthbert Dibble, that's my nap. Um, my next best. Um, so we're going to Wolverhampton for the Lincoln Trial now. There's a horse called Unforgotten for John and Baby Gosden. Um, James Doyle booked. Um, we're not seeing James Doyle a huge amount at the moment. He's going back and forward from um, Dubai to back over to um, Kempton every now and again. He's got one ride for Godolphin, um, and that is on this horse, Unforgotten, who's been touted as a Lincoln horse, and he's done nothing wrong since returning from a massive long layoff. I don't know what exactly his problem was, um, but he's really thriving at present. Um, he's showing himself just to be the horse that they always wanted to be, expected him to be. He was second back in 2021 um, to none other than Mahafeth, um, who turned out to be a very good horse and or is a very good horse. And I just think that maybe he still could be quite well handicapped, handicapped of 94, considering what uh, what time he's missed, basically, um, off the track. Um, now, if he's going to win the Lincoln, he's going to win this race, I reckon, quite well. But, you know, it's not an, it's not a given. Um, but I think if he's I just was surprised to see him at five to one. Could quickly, if I could ask TC for your opinion, why he is that price, considering he's done nothing wrong in his two starts. Yeah, he's been really good the last twice, and the form last time out was boosted by the third Ferrazi Lane, who came out earlier this week and won. 
I think it's obviously you, you've got to factor in the fact that he's James Dole, Godolphin, and Jonathan Thady Gosden. So that would have taken a pri- uh, taken a point or two off his price. But the two handicaps he's contested recently have been far uh, less competitive than this one. Saying that, he's got a great chance. The only reason I didn't tip in the race was because I was a little bit scared of the other two at the top of the market. Outbreak, who last time out just produced a, a display I wasn't expecting. He was really good towards the front end of the race and powered clear for the Johnstons. And Notre Belbet, who won the race last year and was super unlucky last time out, I thought he got a... Uh, average ride to say the least so the only reason i didn't tip in the race was because i think all three market leaders could justify uh, their price i mean it's not it's five to on the field you could arguably back all three of the favorites and still make money on the race but i decided to leave it okay well i thought that was quite a good price for for what he's done but um interested to see your your thoughts on it that's the lincoln trial as uh post cheltenham we will edge ever closer to the beginning of the turf season um on um, so looking forward to that but uh, yeah good race card on Saturday at wolverhampton as is the racing at sandown and the likes so that is it um those are our naps on next best i'll look at the main um race uh, the, the main race on saturday um and if you're listening to this and you're looking for your cheltenham preview podcast don't be afraid. We've got it. It's all there for you. It's on YouTube. It's on our it's on our podcast channels. Make sure that you listen to our healthy debates. And you can listen to me wax lyrical about Jerry Colom, who's got his reign. I'm so excited, guys. I can see you shaking <laughs> in dismay. If this is going to come back to haunt you all. Let's see what happens. But I hope that you enjoy those previews. Good luck for this weekend. Good luck for Cheltenham. A reminder that new SBK customers can get £10 in free bets by betting £10. T's and C's always apply. And we will see you very soon. <laughs>